This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. John Bunyan's work, uh, The Pilgrim's Progress, and the spiritual truths, the insights that God gave that man, that the Holy Spirit led him into as he's sitting in prison. Because of his faithfulness to the Lord, his willingness to preach the word of God, and unwillingness to receive a license from the state. A man who knew persecution. A man who's a testimony to us as we think about persecution. But a man who nevertheless proclaimed the gospel, understood the theology of the gospel, and and as we follow the progress of Pilgrim, as he's headed towards the cross, he's about to be delivered from that great load of sin, we are learning so much about our salvation, so much about what happens to those who neglect or reject so great salvation. And so we find ourselves learning about a man who is in an iron cage. You'll remember that the different helpers of Pilgrim, as he makes his way to the cross down that narrow road, one of the men that he runs into is this man, Interpreter. And he's helping Pilgrim to interpret the various things that he's seeing. And one of the things that Pilgrim sees is in in a room, uh, in a castle, a man in an iron cage, probably one of the most difficult sections in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Because through the testimony of this man in the iron cage, we are confronted with some of the most difficult passages in the Bible. What about someone who initially declared faith in Jesus Christ, who initially seemed like they were believers following the Lord, and then later on, they turned from what they claimed to believe. Places like Hebrews 6, 6 to 8, Hebrews 10, 26 to 29, uh, Mark 4, 16 and 17. And these are passages that remind us that apostasy, a, an apostatizing, turning away from the gospel and the truth, it's very real. And it helps us to understand, for instance, in Mark 4, 16 and 17, how seed can fall on the ground, spring forth into what appears to be life. But then when when trial and difficulty comes, it's choked out and we find there really wasn't life there at all. What, What do you do with that? How do you explain, and you can read some of these about some of these people online. I remember reading the testimony of a, quote, pastor who had been in the ministry for a few years, and now he is a very vocal opponent of the gospel. He says he rejects it all. How do you explain a guy like that? Well, it's the apostatizing. And so this man in the iron cage, he can't get out. 
He is distraught. He's, he's, he's given up on life because he's turned from the truth. And Pilgrim keeps saying to interpreter, you know, isn't, isn't there a way? I mean, God is willing to forgive. God is, is willing to accept. You know, isn't there hope for this man? An interpreter reminds him that there are those who will turn from the gospel, turn away from the Lord, and they won't come back. And I dare say that as I speak to you tonight, the churches that you've been in, and perhaps somebody comes to your mind where there's no explanation, they seem to know Christ, they seem to want to serve Him, and now they just have no thought or heart for Him at all. There are saints who previously were married to people like that. Served with people like that. And yet there are those where God graciously gets a hold of their hearts. And we just had an individual saved here at our church. And he shared this testimony in the Hispanic church Sunday morning. That after 40 years of professing Christ, going on missions trips, going to Bible school. God used the testimony of a missionary at the start of our missions conference, some things that were said from this pulpit where God smote that man's heart and said, everything that you have done for me has all been in your head, none of it's been in your heart. And a desperate man met me after the morning service and said, I need to get saved. That can happen. But lots of times they never turn back. And so I want to visit again just quickly tonight the words of Ken Ham. We shared this before. What Bunyan was revealing there from Scripture and the, the example of this man Ken Ham says this, that to confront the thinking today, the general 21st century view of living the Christian life is like a revolving door which includes a cycle of easy sinning, convenient repentance, accommodating grace, and benign forgiveness. Now what's he saying? Well, Christianity is just kind of this convenient thing that I pull into my life when I need a little help and then I shove it aside and go do what I want. And some preachers have contributed to that kind of thinking by saying that grace means you can live any way you want. Titus tells us, no, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly in this present age. That's what grace teaches us. And so as we approach the very soon return of Christ's coming, it's time the repentance begin in the house of God, that Christians start standing up, standing for the truth. And I, I am seeing this more and more. It's happened here. It's happening in other churches where people who were pretenders are stepping forward and now saying, I was never saved, and they've come to Christ. Matt Armstrong, God has used you in this assembly. One of the shocks about heaven will be not just when the trumpet sounds and we, we all wake up and realize what's just happened, 
But in the moments that follow, when we begin to look around heaven and we see who's not there. I'm so thankful we'll be in glorified bodies with perfect perspectives. Otherwise, we'd have a hard time handling what we're about to learn. If you're listening tonight and you don't know Christ as Savior, please learn from the man in the iron cage. But then listen carefully as we move on to another man that Pilgrim is going to meet. Interpreter says to him, Tarry till I shall show you one more thing, and then you shall go on your way. Pilgrim's ready to move on, but there's someone else that Interpreter wants him to meet. So he took Christian or Pilgrim by the hand again, led him into a chamber where there was one rising out of bed, a man waking up. He put on his raiment, shook and trembled. Then said Pilgrim, why does this man tremble? The interpreter then motioned to him, to the man, to tell Pilgrim the reason that he trembled. The man's name is Dreamer, and here's what he said. This night, as I was in my sleep, I dreamed, and behold, the heavens grew exceeding black. Also it thundered and lightning in the most powerful way, so that it put me into an agony. Made me fearful is the idea. I looked up in my dream and saw the clouds roll back at an unusual rate. Now let's just pause there. Bunyan, once again, is gleaning from imagery in Scripture. Would you look at Revelation chapter 6? And this is just a taste. I, in preparation for tonight, I actually went back through the Scriptures and just looked at all the times that the Bible re references the Lord rolling back the clouds. You realize that the God of heaven created nature. He can stand up in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, speak words, roll back the clouds and bring calm. But the same Lord is able to roll back the clouds and bring judgment. And here's what we read in Revelation chapter 6. Drop down to verse 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freedman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks and in the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from... Uh, let's see, I started, I'm sorry, I meant to start in verse 14. The heavens departed as a scroll. There's your imagery. And it rolled, it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bomb and every freed man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the what? The wrath of the Lamb. Okay? All of nature is being moved and shaken by the one who is bringing wrath on the sins of man. Let's read on, or notice here. Upon which I heard a great sound of a trumpet. In the end times, are there any sounds of trumpets? 
Okay, Bunyan is reflecting on that. And I saw also a man sitting upon a cloud, more biblical imagery, attended by the thousands in heaven. They were all in flaming fire, and the heavens were a burning flame. I heard then a voice saying, Arise ye dead, and come to judgment. And with that the rocks shattered, the graves opened, and the dead came forth from therein. Go over to Revelation 20 now. Again, we want to pause. Just reflect on what the scripture teaches here. Revelation 20 and verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books according to their works. Now we live near the ocean. Many sailors in our midst, retired, active, uh, those who work in shipyards and perhaps even some merchant seamen. Look at verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Now what you want to do in the text is underline every. Because in the previous phrases... It's talking about the fact it doesn't matter where the person died and where their remains were, they end up at this judgment. Everybody. All right. So this is what this man is dreaming. He goes on to tell pilgrims, some were exceeding glad in my dream and looked upward. Some sought to hide themselves under the mountains. Of course, we've already read that reference. Then I saw the man that sat upon the cloud open the book and bid the world draw near. Yet there was, by reason of a fierce flame that issued out and came from before him, a convenient distance between him and them, as between the judge and the prisoners at the bar. So this is so real to this man that when he is awakened, his dream still has him trembling. He goes on. I heard it also proclaimed to them that attended the man, capital M, Jesus, that sat on the cloud, who said, gather together the tares, the chaff, the stubble, and cast them into the burning lake. And with that, the bottomless pit opened just about where I stood, and out of the mouth of it there came smoke, coals of fire from hideous, with hideous noises. It was also said to the same persons, Gather my wheat into the barn. And with that I saw many caught up and carried away into the clouds. But then the man in the dream says this, But I was left behind. There are two words that ought to cause the heart to shake any soul that knows what the Bible teaches. Left behind. There have been series of books written about it. There have been movies made about it. And it gets people's attention because you don't want to be left 
behind. It shook this man out of his dream. I also sought to hide myself in my dream, but I could not, for the man that sat upon the cloud still kept his eye upon me. My sins also came into my mind, and my conscience did accuse me on every side. Upon this I awakened from my sleep. And if you and I had a similar dream, it would wake us up too. Pilgrim said, but... What was it that made you so afraid at what you saw? A dreamer responded, Why, I thought that the day of judgment was come, and I was not ready for it. But this frightened me most. The angels gathered up several, but left me behind. Also, the pit of hell opened her mouth just where I stood. My conscience too afflicted me, and I was thought on. And, and as I thought on these things, the judge had always his eye upon me, showing indignation in his countenance. So the thing that struck him most was his eye was always on me. Do you know that all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do? We have a day coming when we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Now the good news is if you've repented of your sin, agreed with God seriously about your condition, and received Christ as personal Savior, you won't stand before Him as judge. Hallelujah. In fact, when I stand before Him, we're not going to talk about my sin. Hallelujah. It's paid for. Your sin is paid for if you've believed on Christ. So we're going to talk about how I ran a race. Did I do it in His strength? Did I do it for His glory? What did I accomplish through His strength for His glory? And He's going to reward me. He's going to reward you. What a great time that's going to be. But for a moment, just put yourself in the shoes of those who are brought out of hell, who are brought off of this earth, and who stand at the great white throne judgment before Jesus. Their tongues are stopped. There are angels waiting in the wings to give them an escort to the lake of fire. There's not any public testimony. There doesn't need to be. The judge has seen it all. His eyes have always been on them. And the books were open. There's a perfect record of everything they ever thought, said, and did. Guilty. And they're bound hand and foot, the scripture says, and they're cast into the lake of fire. Now stay with this imagery for a moment. Have you ever had the experience of waking up from a dream and it wasn't true, and you went, ah. you ever had that? I mean, I've been chased. Stuff has been wanting to eat me. I remember as a kid, man, it was just, uh, that whole Monsters, Inc., it's true, okay? I'm telling you. I met some of those characters. And then you wake up, and it's like, wow, I'm glad that, or maybe you're doing something in a dream that you know offends God and, and it would just br bring your testimony to, to shame. And you wake up and you think, 
God, I'm so glad that wasn't true. And you probably have some things to confess to him. But imagine waking up and it's not a dream. And it's worse and more awful than anything you could have ever imagined, except if you know the Word of God, you begin to recognize your surroundings. And it's too late. You know, there's coming a day when the trump is going to sound and we're going to feel like we're in a dream because it's so wonderful. It's, it's going to be perfect. No fear, no sin, it's all gone and we're going to see each other in younger versions. Perfect. Hair to comb. Anyway, uh, it, it's... It's going to feel like a dream, but it's not. It's reality. And then there's going to be people that wish they were in a dream and they could wake out of it. But it'll be too late. I think it's interesting that God has us considering this right after missions conference. Right? Witnesses of Christ or else. If people don't believe on our Savior, it will be eternally too late. And our job is not just to give money so somebody else can be a witness of Christ. You need to be a witness of Christ. So the Bible informs our hearts that upon death we are all transported into a completely new state of existence that our physical bodies and spirits have never experienced before. That's true for a lost man. That's true for a saved man. However, there will be a continuous revelation of the biblical truth we knew or didn't know here, where we experienced either the blazing glory of God that will consume us or the blazing fires of hell. Everything we read tonight and everything you've read in your Bible, that faith, that it's going to have eyes. And a lost man's going to see it and a saved man's going to see it. It's all true. It's reality. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for a Christian. If you don't know the Lord, to be absent from the body... And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. That's as real as us having this meeting here right now. It is that real. So Bunyan wants his readers to know, through Dreamer, the true reality of those who die in Christ and those who die without him. This man's death should confirm in our hearts either hope or fear. That's what the scripture is intending to do. Would you turn over quickly to 1 Peter? Just go back a couple books. 1 Peter chapter 1. Here's what verse 13 says. 
1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revealing, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Take this truth, gird up your minds. Be sober, watch, be ready. And then go to verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's what? His work. What should we be doing? Pass the time of your sojourning, pilgrims. Pass the time of your sojourning here in, in fear. This is not a time to be distracted. We need to be watching. And we need to be watching for others too. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for what you gave to Bunyan in that prison cell. And these truths continue to challenge us today. Thank you for what we've learned tonight. But Lord, every soul we pass either is headed to heaven or headed to hell. And as pilgrims, we need to be standing along the way as evangelist and interpreter as encourager, helping people find the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Help us to be faithful. Thank you for saving us, rescuing us, and thank you for the opportunity we have to impact others for heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.